0: As you rip your way, rip yourself away from the uh, the addiction of fellowship. That's what I call it, the addiction of fellowship. Loving on people, uh, you've heard me say it before. Loving on people is like eating potato chips. You can't just eat one, right? So when you start hugging necks and chatting with people, you can't just hug one neck. So so you got to keep going. But that's that's important. We need to we need to uh, uh, connect together with each other. Church isn't just about connecting with God, it's about about connecting with Christ. And one of the greatest ways to connect with Christ is to connect to his body. We are the body of Christ. We're the ones who are the functioning Christ in the earth, and he empowers us to do so. Uh, uh, I've said it before, that you may be the only Jesus somebody sees this week. So so we want to make sure we're reflecting him today. Uh, we want to welcome a few folks. Uh, first of all, I want to say welcome to, to the great, the great Peter Gibbs. This is Paul's dad. And the reason why is because Paul has told us how you serve in Her Majesty's Secret Service, and you are a double agent and all that stuff, and so I wanted to meet the real James Bond. So, <laughs> But no, please make yourself at home, and thank you for being with us today. Uh, also, if, if you are, we're in the middle of the Christmas season. If you're looking for a Christmas miracle, we've actually got two in the house today, possibly three. But I want to say uh, welcome back home to to uh, Hal and Pam Howell. I tell you what, it is, it is, you need your faith boosted. Hal uh, suffered a stroke the week of Thanksgiving, the Monday before Thanksgiving. And, and uh, the Lord has touched his body that, and, and gave the doctors uh, insight as to what the issue was and all that's being worked out. But, but just, and then Pam wound up getting sick not too long after that. And that's, that's bad when your nurse starts getting sick, isn't it? That's, you're, you're in a whole world of problem. But, but uh, just, a, I turned around and saw both of them with their hands lifted up, just praising the Lord and, and, and uh, uh, just seeing that the Lord has preserved them and, and uh, just just did me good. It's good to have my dear friend Don Sickles back in the house. He's he's one kidney short of being right in life right now. He says so, but but uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear from Don shortly at, at the conclusion of what what I'm, I'm gonna say. What I have to say, and then I'm gonna try to shut up to, for you to be able to hear what God has done in Don's life. Uh, but but I just wanna I wanna talk to us today about uh, about the Lord. I had to make sure I had my timer going because that's what that's what puts Paul at or I mean Bob at ease over here. If Dave has his timer going, Bob's like, ooh, all's well. So uh, Amen. Uh, I asked I asked the Lord, I said, What do we want to talk about this weekend? He said, I just want you to talk about me. And I said, Well, that's pretty easy because that's about all I know. I almost feel like the apostle Paul, where he said, I have chosen to only know amongst you Christ and him crucified. Uh, with all of this crazy time of year. As wondrous as it is and as magical as it is and, and, and as happy as it should be, it, isn't it odd that it also comes with a world of anxiety and a world of craziness and a, and a whirlwind of busyness? And then also it seems like this time of year when we should be the most joyous because we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, uh, that's also when we start thinking about all the loved ones that's already passed on and all the loss that we've encountered in our life. So there's just almost this whole whirlwind of emotions that hits us this time of year. And and sometimes it can be overcoming. Sometimes it can be uh, uh, even this week. Julie and I just kind of looked at each other and said, "We got to figure out when we're going to stop." <laughs> you know, it's it's our, our schedules have just been insane. And sometimes we've got to just calm ourselves and get right back to the singularity of it all, and the whole reason why we even exist, and that is Jesus Christ. We sometimes we've got to just strip everything away and just come back to the simplicity of who he is. So I want to talk to you today about how he holds you, no matter what you're going through. Whether if you're in a a stage of life that you're riding the highest victory, or if you're going through your darkest valley you've ever encountered, no matter what, he holds you. Everything you are, everything you will be, everything you have been exists in him. Nothing has caught him off guard that's happened in your life. Nothing that has happened in your life hadn't first come across his desk. Nothing has surprised him. But he uses all things, all things for the benefit of us to help us to grow, to help us become who he knew we could be all along because he holds you. I'm going to read first of all today, just to kind of get into this, and we're going to we're, we're kind of uh, uh, just rush through some of this real quick to make a point. Moses was on the verge of having to go back into Egypt, tell, tell the children of Israel, hey, God's bailing us out of here. We're, we're going to the promised land. And, and Moses is having his burning bush experience, and he asks God, he says, who am I supposed to go tell the elders is sent me? They're going to say, who's given you the authority and which God is sending you? And this was God's response. For the first time, man was asking God what his name was. Man had named God up until now, named him plenty of things. But for the first time, man was, or man was asking God, who, who, what name am I supposed to use? Who are, what are you calling yourself? And this is what God responded. He said, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou sayeth unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. In the Hebrew, that phrase, I am that I am, as is, is quirky as it may sound, in the Hebrew, it would be, and I'm, pardon me, I'm probably butchering it so that we have any Hebrew majors. I apologize for my Texanism of it. But it, it would be something along the lines of echyeh aser echyeh, which literally is translated the existence that is the existence the state of being which is the state of being he says you you want me he says you want me to you want me to tell you my name what how do i name me i am the existence that is the existence. everything you see exists in me look around the room your neighbor exists in him your st- your state of being exists in him. All of this and all of His glory takes place in him. Your victories, your defeats take place in him. Am I saying, well, am I trying to say that that tree out there is God? No, I'm saying that tree exists in God. Am I trying to say that we are God? No, I'm saying that we exist in God. You can't get away from God. He was there on your worst day and he was there on your greatest day. He simply is. How can you describe him? And he goes on to tell Moses, this is going to be my name. that's a memorial for all generations. I am that I am. Echye aser echye. Matter of fact, the book of Acts actually puts it this way. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live, move, and have our being. In his state of being, you have your state of being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So anything you encounter happens in God. He holds you. He contains you. What do we have to fear? What do we have to be stressed about? What do we have to be depressed about? He hasn't lost you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly where you're at. Jesus came along and got very specific about it. Uh, Jesus was actually chatting with people, and he's, he was telling him. he said, you know what, our forefather Abraham wanted so badly to see the day that I would come. He dreamed of seeing the day that I would show up. And he said, guess what, the Lord showed it to him in a vision, and he smiled and was happy. Now all the religious leaders said, oh, you got to be crazy. You know, that was 4,000 years ago Abraham was hanging out. You're not even 50 years old, and you're trying to tell me you know how Abraham responded to some news And this is what Jesus had to say in the book of John, chapter 8. He said, very truly I say to you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was. Then he said the phrase, ech ye. Before Abraham was, he didn't have to say I was. Because when you exist with everything contained in you, you exist outside of time. So there is no past, present, future. There is just now. All there is is now. So he uses present tense. Not only that, he associated himself with the name God gave himself in the Old Testament. Before Abraham was, Ech I existed. Now, it hacked everyone off. They picked up stones and they wanted to kill him after this. He kept getting himself in trouble for making these kind of claims. The book of John even narrows it even more. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Who was it? The word. The word was in the beginning with God. Through him, through the word, all things were made. Think about that. Through the word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word, we're going to hop to verse 14. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John narrowed it down and said, look, the word existed. God spoke everything into existence. But then he identified who that word was, and he said it was Jesus. So everything that was made came via Jesus. The Bible says he was crucified before the foundations of the world. All of this was planned out before the foundation was even laid for any of our life. God had a plan, and that plan included Jesus. And so all of our existence, everything that you can encounter, exists and is here because of the word of God, who is Jesus. That's why when you speak the word of God into your situation, you're not just speaking text from some holy book, you are literally speaking the life-giving, creative force of God that we know as incarnated as Christ Jesus himself, but you're actually speaking Jesus or life into that situation. That's why, what do you want to speak into into your life today? Doubt, confusion, or do you want to speak Christ? Speak the word of God. Are we all still here? All right, just making sure. I don't want anyone to fall asleep yet. I promise I won't be long. But Jesus is the word of God. When you get into the word of God, when you begin to read the Bible, I don't care where it is, no matter where it is, you're actually reading Jesus. The entire book is him. It's about him. Whether it's types and shadows in the Old Testament, whether it's uh, uh, first-person first accounts or, or studied accounts of the, of the New Testament, and whether it's revelation truth that the apostles gave to the early church to grow, it's all about him. Say, well, I thought thought the Bible, I thought he didn't show up till the the New Testament. He was, I'm telling you, Jesus is there from Genesis all the way to maps. I don't know how your Bible, I got a bunch of maps in the back of my Bible. So from Genesis all the way to maps, it's all him. It's him. You can't get away from him. You can't go. David said, if I make my bed in hell, there you are with me. You can't outrun his love. You can't overuse his grace. Bible says his grace and mercy is fresh every morning. So I think I've exhausted the grace of God. Well, sleep on it. He's got a fresh batch for you in the morning. And it starts all over again. In Genesis, can, can, can I just talk about the Lord a little bit? And I promise I'll try not to get too excited. I know we're not supposed to get excited in a church, right? You can't get excited in a church. Get excited about Amari Cooper catching a touchdown pass in overtime, get excited about that, but don't get excited about the Lord. Please don't get excited. I don't understand that, but here, here we go. Can I just talk about the Lord real quick? In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's Israel's guide. Joshua, he's salvation's choice. Judges, he's Israel's guard. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. First and Second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. Ecclesiastes, he's the time and season. In Song of Solomon, he is the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Lamentations, the cry of Israel. Ezekiel. The call of from sin, Daniel the strange the, the stranger in the fire, Hosea the forever faithful, Joel the spirit's power, Amos the strong arms that carry, Obadiah the Lord our Savior, Jonah the great missionary, Micah the promise of peace, Nahum our strength and shield, and Habakkuk and Zephaniah he brings revival, and Haggai he restores that which was lost, and Zechariah he's our fountain. And in Malachi, he's the son of the righteous rising with healing in his wings. We're going to hear about some healing here in a few minutes. That's just the Old Testament. Let's get into the New Testament. And Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is God and Messiah. In the spirit-filled book of Acts, he is the reigning fire from heaven. In Romans, he is the grace of God. In, in Corinthians, the power of love. Galatians, freedom from the curse of sin. Ephesians, our glorious treasure. Philippians, the servant's heart. Colossians, he is God. He is he is the fullness of the God bodily, the Godhead bodily. Uh, thessalonians are calling king and timothy titus and philemon he's our mediator and our faithful pastor in hebrews he's the everlasting courage and james the one who heals the sick and first and second peter our faithful shepherd and john and jude he's the lover coming for his bride and in revelation in the very end when it's all over when time is done when time is no more, he is and always will be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Prince of peace, Son of man, Lamb of God, the great I am, Alpha and Omega, God and Savior. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is everything you need. He is everything you need. And he holds you. He holds you. When I was, when I was nine years old, Paul, at the age of nine, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ that was so real. I wish I could put it into words for you. But it was so real, and it shook me all the way to my core. He filled me with the power of the Spirit. Just within a matter of months, I was, I was baptized. And I've not been able to shake it. 38 years later, And I've yet to find anything that can replace it. 38 years later, I've not encountered anything that is as fulfilling as my Lord and Savior. I've not found anything that is as loving and peaceful and comforting as him. I've not found anything that can contain me the way that I know I am contained in Christ. There have been, there, been times over 38 years I should have lost my mind, but he held my mind together. I should have lost my wits, but he, but he, but he cloaked me and, and, and held me. I, I should have I given up. And trust me, there's been times I've tried to walk away from him. You know how much he holds me? Every time I tried to walk away from him in my life, there he was walking with me. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going with you. I'm trying to leave you. All right, leave me. I'm going with you because he won't give up. He sticks closer than a brother. I've never found anything that is as faithful as Jesus has been to my family, to my, to my life, to my marriage. The times that Julie and I didn't know where, whether or not we would survive another month together. He was there to keep us together. Is it all right if we're transparent? Let's all be honest. Some of y'all have been right there with us. <laughs> but he's the one that held it together. When I couldn't figure out which way to go, he's the one that directed me. When there was no other way, he became the way. He holds you today. Whatever it is you're going through, hear me. He holds you. There's no other alternative that you can find. The Bible says neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given among heaven whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And there's power in that name. If you say, I don't even know what to pray this morning, just pray that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. He holds you, whether you want to say metaphorically, whether you want to say spiritually, whether you want to say physically. He's got it all covered. Metaphorically. I'm going I'm to wax eloquently here for you. I want you to read this. One of my favorite poems, one of my favorite poem, poets is a, is a guy named Rumi. He was a 17th century Persian poet. And, and one of my favorite poems is this. It says, still after all this time, the sun has never said to the earth. You owe me. Look what, a, look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the sky. Now look, Rumi's been dead and gone for a long time, so he can't get mad at me for remixing his stuff. So here we go. This is Dave's remix. And still after all this time, the sun has never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up your life. I'm telling you, if he will impact and infect a 9-year-old boy knucklehead like me how much more would he do it for you if you've not had that kind of encounter you you may have you may have attended church for 20 years of your life but never had a real encounter with Jesus and that's my prayer for you going into this next year that you'll that you'll encounter him in such a life-changing way it'll be it'll be one of those times that you can't even put it into words but it will be so real to you Jesus let me let me talk about spiritually how he holds you Say, well, I don't know, Dave, you know, I, I was walking with the Lord, and, and I've blown it so many times, I just, I don't, I don't even know if he would accept me. I want, you to, I want you to hear the words of Jesus himself. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. Oh, notice that. So y'all can't say I'm crazy for sitting on my porch saying that God talks with me, because Jesus even said it. My sheep listen to my voice. So see, that's proof I'm sane. I promise. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. There is nothing you can do, nothing you can say. I'm telling you, when, when Jesus has a hold of your life, he's not letting go. He's with you to the end. Then he says my father who was given them who has given them to me is greater than I than all. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. I and the Father are one. There he goes again comparing himself to God. That's what gets him in trouble all the time. Yeah, Jesus is like I can't help it. I'm just speaking the truth. I and the Father are one and guess what? No one can take you from our hands. We got you. We got this. Whatever you're going through today, he's got this. I promise you. I promise you. Finally, this is this is a this is, this is not news. This is not my, my discovery. Matter of fact, first time I ever heard of this was uh, a minister by the name of Louis Giglio. Many of you may have heard of him. Awesome, awesome uh, minister of the Lord. Uh, this word right here, matter of fact, y'all should just be breaking out in revival right now. Or not. <laughs> laminin. Let me talk to you about laminin. And this is why God holds you Metaphorically, we can say he's wrapping his arms around you today. And, oh, that that sounds wonderful. Spiritually, he has sealed you with his spirit in such a way you've got so much comfort and so much grace in him that all you have to do is just concern yourself with walking with him every day. It's not rocket science. But thirdly, physically, physically, he holds you. I'm telling you, he holds holds you because of laminin. Woo! Anyone feel that? I guess just me. Laminin is a protein that all of us have in our body. Laminin coats every cell of your body. The reason why it coats every cell of your body is because it's sticky. It's adhesive. It binds your cells together. It lets your cells become Lego, right? So you can build yourself the way that you're programmed to build yourself. And laminin is the modeling glue. Y'all y'all ever put together models some of you guys, you remember your model airplanes and then you get that stuff on your fingers and you know, that's laminin. So without laminin, you would be one big giant mess of cells, right? Just just rolling yourself in here. All wonderful and gelatinous. I was going to say, I just, I just described myself right now, and I got laminin all over. What's, what in the world's going on? Laminin. Would you all like to see the molecular model of laminin? I'm, I'm letting the suspense build. <laughs> the very substance that holds you together. It's got Christ's autograph all over it. Look at that sucker just holding you together. Ain't letting go. Physically, he holds you. How? That's why we could, with confidence, in the emergency room, take each other by the hand. Pam, and we could sit there and we could claim the word of God for your healing. And you could sit there and be in in peace that you were in. You should have been freaking out, but it was the peace that passes all understanding. And you kept saying, God's got this. What I kept hearing is, God's holding me. Because he's got a laminin all over you, man. <laughs> he's got his autograph on every single cell of your body. He holds you. The year was 1996, I believe. My, my six-year-old niece, my brother's daughter, uh, uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And had g- undergone a year of severe, just horrible, horrible, harsh, um, just, just horrible uh, chemo and radiation. And uh, it was just, it, she, w- she was withered to almost nothing. Uh, the tumor had not shrunk at all. And so they finally decided, we're going to go in, we're going to do surgery. Uh, we're we're going to cut her open, drill through her, her, the back of her, her uh, skull and see if we, how much of the tumor maybe we can remove. They got in there, and uh, you know there was about 15 of us in the waiting room, uh, family members, some friends of the family, actually two pastors that are, are very dear to our family. And we were all in there. It was a long, long day. Uh, the, the, the cert, this procedure took most of the day. And, and we were full of faith, trusting the Lord. And then the doctor came in and gave us, gave us this report. They came in and said, look, there's nothing we can do. This tumor is wrapped around her spinal column or or in her brain stem. Uh, If we even try to start removing it, we will kill her. Matter of fact, just going in there today, we have probably caused some damage. It's just one of the risks. But we've sewed her back up. We gave her maybe three to four months. During that time period, she will probably be a vegetable. She probably will not be able to to speak. Uh, Definitely. Uh, paralysis. Um, so we were just going to keep her medicated. You need to prepare yourself emotionally. Uh, just over the next three months, you're you're going to have to watch her, watch her phase out. And of course, it it, it was like a, a a ton of bricks hit all of us. By this time, Laura Laura was seven years old, and I watched my brother. He's a big old boy. You think I'm big? My brother was big. And I just watched that big guy collapsed to his knees and and there was just a silence of shock. and all of a sudden I watched my mom, who is a woman of faith and I miss her. She's been gone three years now. I, I watched her stand up and she she told the doctor, she said, "Doctor, I appreciate everything you've done, and I know you've you've done everything to the best of your ability and and thank you. but this is not the report. That my God told me three days ago. I was up all night praying for my grandbaby, and God promised me he was going to heal my grandbaby. So I know you've done everything you can, doctor, and thank you, but God's going to take it from here. And she began to call on the name of Jesus right there in the middle of the waiting room. And it was such a powerful moment. Everybody, the the doctor left. Everyone just hit their knee. We couldn't even stand People, all, people were strung out everywhere. People just, just flat on the floor on their face, just kneeling on at chairs, just calling out. And probably one of the most powerful prayer meetings I've ever, I've ever been in in my whole life took place right there in the middle of a waiting room. For about 15 minutes, it was just calling on the power in the name of the Lord. Because we didn't have anywhere else to go. We didn't have any other way. We needed him to become the way. All of a sudden I, I was drying my eyes and trying to stand back up. And where I was kneeling, I, there there was a, a glass wall that you could see out into the hallway. And there was a crowd of people of about 20 people that had gathered and started peering in. I thought, oh, these people probably think we have lost our minds in here. And it wasn't that at all. There were people that had their hands pressed against the glass, big old tears coming down their face, as if they were praying with us. <laughs> and the Bible says that, you know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And that's what it was. There was such an incredible presence of God in that room that everyone just, it's as if it gathered people together in prayer. And in the middle of all that, the nurse comes running in. She says, where's Thomas and Elaine Butler? That's my brother and my sister-in-law. And they said, right here. And she says, we, we need you. We need you to come. She said, why? What's going on? She goes, your daughter just sat up in bed and started crying for you. They they rushed in there. Ten minutes after that, I'm standing at the foot of my niece's bed, tickling her feet, because of, they said it, she would be paralyzed. She's jerking her feet away and yelling at Uncle Dave to leave her alone. You know, and she's grown up in Arkansas. She's she's got that accent, right? Just leave me alone. You know, just you could hear all over the ICU unit. And is almost thirty years old. Cancer free. She was a she was a special needs. Uh, special ed student all of her life. And, and y'all know how precious, precious of angels those, those kind of kids are. And so you can ask my wife, I will receive 25 texts a day from her. Half of them are just pictures of herself because she's figured out how to like get all those funky gadgets all over your face that you can do on the phone. So I will get 25 photos of Laura a day You know, Julie and I will be trying to eat lunch. And and she goes, is that Laura? Yep, that's Laura. My sister-in-law is like, if you would tell her to stop, she would stop. I said, don't tell her to stop. Because that's 25 times a day that God wants to remind me of his faithfulness. 25 times a day, Jesus is telling me, I got this, Dave. You don't have to worry about anything. I've got this. I don't know what any of us have to face tomorrow. I don't know what next year holds. There will be some wonderful blessings, and I'm sure it's going to have some hard challenges. But regardless of what it is, regardless of what it is, he has you. There's no no other choice other than Jesus today. He is the only choice. If I could have the musicians come on back up. Y'all play something slow and sad. Y'all know how this goes. (laughs) Now, if you don't want to take my word for it, I'm going to ask my dear friend, Mr. Don Sickles. To Come on up here. He's going to take just a few minutes and share with you what God has done with it. He told me, he said, I got, he he told me, he told me a report, and he said, but don't you share it with anyone. I said, I'll make you a deal. I will sit on this news if you show up and you share it at the end of my sermon. And don't know any, don't nobody go anywhere. We're all going to sing together one last time as a family. But I want you to hear what God has done for Don lately.
1: I think it's safe to say we've all heard it once or twice if we live in Viridian. We have the porch pastor, and we've heard, God's got this. So I just wanted to share something funny before I share my story with you. Um, The second that I told Dave that this thing came back as kidney cancer, it was God's got this. So, yes. When I went into the hospital, I was scared, absolutely scared to death. What's going on? Went through the surgery, no problems at all. The next morning, of course, you know, that evening after surgery, they want to get you out of bed. I'm a big guy. That's not happening. (laughs) I sat on the side of the bed, and I said, you know, I'll get out of bed in the morning. So I'm sure things will happen. I'll feel a little bit better about getting out of bed in the morning. So I did. lo and behold, we have the PACE team that's in my room. We're walking down the hallway. I couldn't figure out what in the world is all laughing. Nurses are looking out around the corner. Here I am on a walker doing the best I can to get through with members of the PACE team behind me doing lunges. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. For the news, I had kidney cancer, of course. There was two tumors. So The thing was really kind of caught by a fluke on a routine exam. And so he said, with us finding the kidney cancer in there and that tumor, we need to really go ahead and remove the kidney. So we did. Last week, the results come back. I had two cancers. One is a regular kidney cancer that usually it's taken care of with surgery. The second one, the surgeon said, is an extremely rare form of cancer. So, we decided to take out more lymph nodes. We tested. We don't understand, but you're cancer free. So. Thank you, Dave. Don't go
0: anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Everyone stand. I I want you to. I want you to know just how much God touched Don. He he, his kidney was removed on Wednesday of that week. He kept telling his doctor, "He goes, I got to get out of here because I got to sing a lead part, Christmas carols at my neighbor's front porch." And I kept telling him, "I was like, Don, go home and rest. Don't you worry." Well, they released him that day, and I told him, "I said, now." You go home and rest. Do not get out of here. It's chilly and look, we, we're going to do it again next year. We'll save your part. All of a sudden, about ten minutes before Julie was there, about ten minutes before we even got started, here comes Don and his daughter Piper and he's doing that Tim Conway. You know, that, walking down the street. Just a matter of days after having a kidney removed, God touched him. He's, he's sitting in front of my house praising God with a whole neighborhood. And God is good, God is good. So, so at, before we go back out, and I know we're, we're, we'll leave here, we've got a ton of stuff to do, but we're going to do one more song, and this is absolutely beautiful. I heard them, I heard them singing this before service, uh, and while we do it, those who want to, there's no no pressure to do this, but I want to invite everyone, everyone that can, come on down front, come on the sides, wherever you can, get as close in as a family. If you need prayer for anything. <coughs> excuse me, if you need prayer for anything, you can grab one of your neighbors and say, pray with me. Uh, or if you want, uh, come see me. I'll hang out in the corner. I'll, I'll be glad to pray for you. Or grab anyone. There's nothing magical about me. But but grab anyone. And let's just pray together and worship as a family one last time. Would you all just come? Just, just if, No pressure. I'm not going to make anyone. I'm not going to call you out if you don't come. But if you would, just whoever would, let's come down as a family. Grab someone's hand. Put your arm around someone. But let's just Let's rejoice as a family before we leave today. And know, rejoice knowing God's got this. God's got this. Father, I pray that you bless each and every person that's here. Bless this family of believers. Lord, as we prepare for this new year, Lord, no matter what what lies ahead, even the road that doesn't look straight, even the road that looks a bit confusing, Lord, we just trust that you're going to work it all out for your glory. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all sing together.